touchdown, Wisconsin, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. And as always, streaming live at WKTYsports.com. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, hope you're having a killer Thursday evening. Want to say thank you for making the show a part of your evening. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm excited for tonight. This was a tough week. My week is now wrapped up. I am done with class. Uh, this will be the final Wisco Sports Show of the week as we'll throw it to Zach Heilprin in the boys. I'm trying to get that name to catch on. Heilprin in the boys tomorrow night uh, with the Badger Roundtable Show. So after this, uh, I'm wrapping my my work week up. My school week is over. Uh, we got the Bucks and the Warriors playing tonight. It'll be a late night game, so I got plenty of time to, to get all my work done here and get off and, and, and sit down and enjoy that game. I'm in a good mood. Hope you are as well. And we got a lot of stuff to tackle today. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. And it's another one of those days where earlier on today, I was worried. I was like, man, what am I going to talk about tonight? Are we going to rehash, you know, how we hate the Packers, what they're doing right now? And hey, are the Packers going to make the playoffs? And and as always, material just appears. We got a lot of good stuff coming today. Uh, and I do actually want to get into the Bucks and the Warriors a little bit. Uh, that'll be uh, around 550 towards the end of the show. I just want to touch on it because it is going to be an exciting game. Uh, and I don't know if there's a whole lot of meaning to it for Warriors fans. Maybe. Can't tell. I don't know. Uh, but for Bucks fans, there definitely is, uh, at least those of you who've been watching the Bucks for the last couple of years. So get excited. We are going to touch on just a little bit of Bucks later on in the show. But other than that, mostly Packers today. Uh, we're going to try and keep it positive or keep it constructive. Let's say that. Constructive on the Packers today. We've kind of gotten into that routine uh, at least the last two weeks where the Packers have, of course, lost on Sunday in frustrating fashion. And then on Monday, we're angry. Maybe even Tuesday. Maybe that anger, that frustration flows over to Tuesday. And then as the week rolls on, we can kind of get constructive, right? We can, well, what can we take away? What can we look forward to on Sunday? And what maybe are the Packers going to do better? So we're at that point in the week. Everything's coming together. I'm feeling great. 608-796-2558. You can always get in touch with the program on the Five Star Telecom talk and text line. A phone call. Or you can shoot me a text either way. I understand. Maybe you can't wait a minute or two on hold or you don't have time for a phone call. Shoot me a text and uh, and we'll get to it that way as well. You can also reach me and the station on Twitter. You can tweet at me at Keystroker Grant. And you can uh, tweet at WKTY as well. Now, if you don't follow me on Twitter, uh, and this just isn't uh, a cry for followers, you should shoot me a follow, especially if, you, if you're an everyday listener of the show, if you enjoy the show. Uh, because a lot of times, if we're covering material or if I'm referencing articles or pieces that have been written by beat writers or there's quotations for press conferences or whatever, a lot of times I retweet it there because I know... We're going to be talking about this later on in the day. I'm going to throw it out there just in case that there's a follower or a listener who's going to see that. They can help get prepared for the show and be even better and it's going to even be a better, more productive show. And then that's what I'm about here at WK2I, right? Uh, like I said, I'm your host, Grant Bills, mostly Packers today. Uh, we are going to touch bucks later on. But uh, let's get into the Packers, shall we? Uh, one of the articles that I was reading earlier today that uh, I don't want to say rocked the Packer world uh, and Packers fandom because I think that's a little bit dramatic. But it was kind of another a really strongly worded, really strongly written piece by Rob Domofsky of ESPN. The beat, re- the beat reporter and blogger for ESPN who covers the Packers every day. Uh, and and this article cast a little bit of a, a nerve-wracking light on this Packers team. Now, if you've been watching the Packers for any more than just this year, you will know, you know, back in 2014. Heck, back in 2010 as well. Uh, and even in 2015, that the Packers have been notoriously slow starting. And they have put together some dramatic runs. And, and they've 
they're they're constantly coined and, and framed and trademarked as the the relax year, you know, R-E-L-A-X back in 2014. Or, you know, I think we can run the table. What was that in uh, 20, 2016? Yes, it would have been 2016, two years ago. That was the I think we can run the table year. So the Packers have no shortage of years where they have started slow. In fact, that's been the trend more often than not the last couple of years for the Green Bay Packers is starting slow, maybe losing some games early on that they shouldn't and then really turning it on and and starting to play their best football down the stretch. Now, that has more so been the case, like I said, in 2014 and in 2016. Obviously, in 15, uh, that was kind of a bump in the road, although the Packers still made the playoffs, even got a playoff win. And then in 2016, obviously, you know, Rodgers getting injured kind of of throws a wrench into that wheel. And heck, let's go back to to 2010. You lost those back-to-back games to the Dolphins and the the Redskins, the Washington Redskins, in back-to-back games in overtime. Definitely neither one of those games you had any business losing. You know, they struggled to beat the Jets in, in week, what was that, four or five? They won nine to zero in 2010. I remember that game very well. So this Packers team has been slow starting, but they have shown in, in the past, uh, especially, I would say, close, getting close to 10 years now, eight to 10 years, their ability to put it together and start playing their best football at the right time of the year. Now, Packers fans, we've been leaning on that. We've saying, well, maybe they can run the table. You know, we just got to relax. You know, we've seen this before. Some Packers fans, and, and heck, even in this article that I read today, some Packers players, uh, part of their locker room interviews today, saying this year is a little different, has a little bit of a different feel. Now, if you are a Packer fan or uh, who's been saying, you know, we've seen this before, hold on. The Packers are going to surprise us this year. Well, I guess it wouldn't be a surprise. They're going to do what they always do, and they're going to start playing their best football at the right time. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's the vibe in the locker room this year. And that's certainly the vibe, if I can use, a, use that word. I don't think that's the vibe that's being picked up right now. Now, understandably, the Packers just lost to two very good, very quality opponents, both at the top of their respective conferences and the Rams and the Patriots, both on the road. I'm not taking anything away from that. But I think Packers fans, and Aaron Rodgers knows this as well, those two games were benchmarks. Those were benchmark games. Let's put up this Packers team, which is supposed to be better this year. You know, they had a good draft class so far. It's still early. You know, they added a couple free agents, we think, in positions of need. They addressed some coaching deficiencies, brought some new guys in. Those were the benchmark games. And luckily for the Packers this year, and I talked about this earlier on in the season, those games were advantageously positioned. They were coming out of a bye. They were in the middle of the season. So, heck, even if the Packers wanted to rest guys like Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Grahams and company in the the preseason... You had a couple of games to get your feet under you before you got to this meaty part of your schedule where you're playing against the cream of the crop of both conferences, the Rams, the Patriots. Now they have the Dolphins, but then they come right back with the Vikings and the Seahawks, and the Falcons aren't too far away either. The tough games were positioned advantageously for the Packers right in the middle of the schedule. So if they they could start with some success, start to get the, the, the feet under them, and then hit the ground running against the tough opponents, and then, heck, at the end of the season, not necessarily coast into the playoffs, but they weren't needing to win really, really tough games for seeding at the end because all those games were in the middle. Well, those benchmark games this year, especially the previous two weeks, did not go well. And Packers fans know that. This coaching staff knows that. And Aaron Rodgers knows that. It's easy to say, well, you know, those were games you can afford to lose. Those were good teams. Well, at some point, if this Packers team is bringing a championship or bust mentality because Aaron Rodgers is at the helm, which is all I hear every year, and I I think there's merit to that, those are games you need to win. Maybe not every game, but... You need to win one of those games. You need to show the ability to go on the road in a tough environment, in a playoff-like atmosphere, and and beat a quality opponent. Because if the championship or bust mentality is true and it lives on, 
as long as Aaron Rodgers is here, well, they're going to have to beat those teams at some point. You think back to 2014 when the Packers pushed to the NFC Championship, very well should have been in the, in the Super Bowl. That's not contestable. They beat the Patriots in the middle of the year. They beat some quality opponents, including the Patriots. Now, they had them at Lambeau, but still, that's a benchmark game. Packers not winning those benchmark games this year. And when we come back, I, I, I want to dig into a couple quotations that I think are really good from some respected veteran Packer players. This isn't Aaron Jones or Raven Green or new player Bashad Breland. These are stalwarts who have been there in the Packers locker room and are respected and have made plays and have been in big moments on this Packers team. And they're saying, yeah, this year's got a little bit of a different feel. So I want to talk about that coming up next as well. Uh, later on in the show, like I said, we're going to get to some bucks way at the end. We'll save that save that for last. But I also want to talk about there are a couple weaknesses on this Packers team right now that now that we've seen them, especially against quality opponents, uh, we can start to look at these position groups or these positions on the field or these specific players and say, yeah, that's a weakness. And teams are starting to exploit it. And I'll give examples as well. A lot of good meat and potatoes Packer talk here uh, in the middle of the show. We'll get into it coming back. Don't forget, you can always chime in. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. Some unnerving quotations. Some unnerving words from some Packer players. That's around the corner here on the Wisco Sports Show. Don't go anywhere. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY with me, your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for making the show a part of your Thursday evening. Hope you're doing well, despite how the Packers are doing currently. And uh, and we got some good talk today. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pumped up, if you can't tell. Uh, and I, I don't really know why. Uh, this isn't really all of that uh, positive news for Packers fans like myself out there. But either way, this is some really good content. I just retweeted um, a Rob Domovsky piece on my Twitter account. You can find it at Keystroker Grant. And as always, I mean, you can just see Rob's work at ESPN.com. Just go to the Packers section. It's not hard, but you know, go through my Twitter account. Why not? Throw it a follow. Uh, 608-796-2558. You can always chime in no matter what we're talking about on the five-star telecom talk and text line. But let's get into this. I, I kind of prefaced it when we opened the show about how Packer fans love to throw it back to the R-E-L-A-X run of 2014 or the run the table uh, in 2016. Look, I want to preface this by saying I'm not a Packer hater. I, I'm I don't think I'm that uh, pessimistic or, or negative about things. God, I hate I hate this. I hate the R E L A X. I hate the run the table. I hate how that's still referenced. Like I appreciate the run they went on in 2014 and in 2016. There's some really cool memories and some really cool highlights that I will remember forever from those years. There really is, including the Patriots game, which I was reliving all of last week until Sunday Night Football massively disappointed. Um, regardless of the outcome. I love those runs that the Packers went on. I think there are some memories that Packers fans will be able to remember about Aaron Rodgers and other players, especially Jordy Nelson in 2014, about those runs. But I hate how we, like, why, why are we always referencing and quoting the R-E-L-A-X or the run the table? Like, I just, I, I get sick of it. I think it's corny. Um, you want to talk about the run? You want to talk about the games and the plays? Absolutely, I'm there. Uh, but it just, <laughs> it just kind of wears me out. So I, I had to preface it with that. Uh, so if you see me out and about, uh, if you if you're yelling run the table at me if you're yelling R E L A X I'm just I'm just gonna shake my head <laughs> just just warning you now uh, Rob put together a really nice piece uh, including some locker room quotations from like I said some really respected Packers players guys who have been there a while and and been in heavy contributing roles uh, and been in some of these big games dating back to 2014 uh, and they're saying look it's it's not the same this year has a different feel 
And it's uh it's it's a worrisome article for Packers fans who are still dead set. I, I shouldn't say still, for Packers fans who have strong hopes for a playoff run, playoff aspirations for this year. Uh these quotes aren't exactly reassuring, uh, including Randall Cobb. And Cobb been here since twenty eleven, obviously on a second contract. He's a guy who's very close with Aaron Rodgers, and I think you know, you say as a fan of a team, you know, they they feel like Green Bay. Randall Cobb is one of the guys, just like Jordy Nelson did, who feels like Green Bay. You know, I think at this point, if you're a Vikings fan, Adam Thielen feels like a Viking. Stephon Diggs feels like a Viking. And there's certain players who don't. You know, the Packers have had players in the past who just never, you know, you're just kind of waiting waiting out their contract. And then there's guys who who I think really seem to fit. And Randall Cobb is that, and that makes his words all the more meaningful and all the more heavy. And I'll read it off verbatim for what Rob had to say. If it seems like there's a different vibe to the season than in the past, that the Packers have turned things around, at least one player admitted as such. And Randall Cobb said, we've lost games before here, but this just feels different. And it doesn't feel good. It's not fun, but we've got to figure something out. Now, half of that quotation makes a lot of sense. And and you got to remember, especially locker room interviews, when when players are at their locker and they're surrounded by reporters, a lot of it is just tongue-in-cheek. You know, they're just filling the air, right? They're not... They're not contemplating the meaning of life here. They're not digging three years ago into the playbook to remember a play. They're just, they're giving quotations, right? And, and Randall Cobb actually did a tremendous job in this interview. The second half said, and it doesn't feel good. It's not fun, but we've got to figure something out. That's just like, yeah, we're losing. It's not fun. We'll figure something out. Blah, blah, blah. All right, next question. Let's get this moving. Uh, but the first part of that quotation where he says, we've lost games before here, but this just feels different. I think is very telling. And it's, you don't get meaningful sound bites or meaningful quotes from press conferences a lot. It's a lot more just filler. And that's interesting. Now, I'm sure a lot of players feel that way um, in a locker room when you're losing games and, and maybe it's just in a, in a bad season. Last year for the Packers, it was a bad season. There wasn't a whole lot of good takeaways other than maybe Kenny Clark ascending to, to become a better player and you see continue to watch his progression. Other than that, there ain't a whole lot of good stuff going on last year for the Green Bay Packers. And that trend has... Continue this year, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers obviously being healthy and you have some rookies that are exciting, but they're losing games. And I'm sure a lot of players are thinking, man, we see what's coming. You know, we see the iceberg at the end of the season. There there could be coaches that are gone. There could be massive shakeups, including guys like Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews, people who have been stalwarts on this Green Bay roster for years now, who are going to be let go strictly for salary cap reasons at the end of this year because the team wants to get younger and they want to go in a different direction under a new front office and very possibly under a new coaching staff. I'm sure a lot of players feel that. They're not dumb. They're professional football players, and they're used to being in locker rooms and and getting a feel of of the way things are trending. I'm sure a lot of players feel that way, but Randall Cobb came out and said it, right? There's a little bit of a difference. Randall Cobb says, we've lost games before here, but this just feels different. That's hardly, uh, as much as I hate it, that's hardly a statement of relax or, you know, I think we can run the table. Hardly a vote of confidence from your veteran wide receiver number 18, Randall Cobb. And I think a big part of this is that there are just noticeable, right now there are noticeable weaknesses on this Packers team. It's not that, well, you know, we went on the road and the Rams played really well and they had a ball bounce their way and, and you know, we're still a good team and we'll get hot at the right time. It's not that. You know, you can finger point here, here, here and say, the Packers are a good team. They're they're better than some, worse than some as well. But they're noticeable weaknesses. They're things that need to be addressed before this Packers team can take the next step, I think. They actually started talking about uh, to Aaron Rodgers as well. I think they were maybe trying to dig for a little bit of a quote, right? They were saying, hey, you know, maybe he'll give us another 
quote that we can, you know, quote and then we'll come back to later on in the season and say, hey, he said it right here. Uh, well, that didn't exactly happen. Rodgers was asked for a bulletin board saying on Wednesday during the interview, this is what he responded with. Well, you asked a question, so it's not authentic, Rodgers said during his weekly press conference. And those two were authentic responses to questions. So when prompted, I just feel like we have to play better consistently, 60 minutes, try to eliminate some of the lows we've been having. We have to play with confidence and play up to the level we're capable of playing. Not a catchphrase that we've seen in the past from the Green Bay Packers. And I think that vibe from the quarterback saying, yeah, well... You know, we need to do a lot of things better. I think that's, what's the word, you know, soaks up with all the rest of the players in the locker room. I was going to try to dig for a scientific word. Maybe maybe one will hit me. But I just think that's absorbed, and, and that's seen by other players, like Randall Cobb. Uh, Cobb continued to say, yeah, I mean, we'll definitely need some momentum. We need to get a win. I can tell you this isn't front fun. It's very frustrating and tough because I know what we're capable of and we're not there. I don't know what that is, but we've got to find a way to get it done. One common theme, I I think, from Packers players who have been interviewed and heck from media members as well, is they're not playing up to their potential. Now, this team might not be a Super Bowl contender at this point. I'm comfortable saying that. Some other media members or Packers fans or writers might say otherwise, that you need to let some things play out. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable saying right now that this Green Bay Packers team is not a Super Bowl team. And if they're Vikings fans listening, they're probably saying, duh. Uh, But I, I think... There is something to be said for letting things play out. But as we go down the stretch, I don't think it's a case of, well, they need to get hot at the right time. I think they they can play a little bit better, and I think they will. And that starts with Aaron Rodgers. I can't imagine uh, he'll continue to have a 60% completion uh, rate. That's that's pretty low, uh, and I think that will come up. But there are some some weaknesses around this team. And, and I was re-watching the game from Sunday night, and I, and I looked back at the Rams game a little bit, just trying to notice things. Because any player can have a bad game, right? I think it's pretty safe to say that two weeks ago, Ty Montgomery had a bad game, right? That doesn't mean he's a weakness. That doesn't mean he's a bad player on this team. Now, because of the nature of what happened, obviously he was traded. But I was trying to look for connective themes from week to week, right? And, and trying to look for that in in-game wrap-ups and recaps as well. And there was a couple things that stuck out to me. Number one, and this might be low-hanging fruit. Number one, and I'm not going to go to Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about that next segment. But number one is Nick Perry. Oh, my gosh. And it kills me because occasionally, if you're watching SportsCenter, you're watching a Packer game, they'll flash a graphic of uh, the highest paid outside linebackers in the league. And they'll, they'll show the top 10. And I, I can't think of very many right now. But Clay Matthews and Nick Perry are both on there. And I think if you asked a casual NFL fan, uh, let's say a casual NFL fan in Texas or in California or in New York, hey, uh, try to name as many of the top 10 highest paid outside linebackers in the league. Try, try to name them. Nick Perry, I don't think, is coming to mind real early. I think, you know, Von Miller and other outside pass rushers like that, maybe Demarcus Lawrence, other guys who are known for getting to the quarterback and wreaking havoc, right? Khalil Mack, obviously. Nick Perry isn't one of the first names that comes to mind. Now, Clay Matthews has name recognition, but I, I you know, I don't think his name would come to mind early, maybe because of the hair and because he, he kind of fits the Packers brand. But Nick Perry sure as heck isn't coming to mind. Get this, on Sunday... He was damn near invisible. This is the official stat line for Nick Perry from the Patriots game. Zero sacks, zero quarterback hits, zero pass deflections, zero tackles for a loss. Oh, but he did get in on one assisted tackle. One assisted tackle. That's it. That's it from Nick Perry, your million-dollar man, your outside pass rusher, your free agent from a couple of years ago. And I think that's why I've used this example a couple of times. I think HaHa Clinton Dix is Nick Perry 2.0. I think at the end of this year, the Packers were going to have to pay him way more money than he was worth just because he was the best available at that position and they were going to be handcuffed to him, paying a lot of money for a player who's not that good. And I think that's exactly what 
the mistake they made with Nick Perry. And that's what they didn't want to do again with HaHa Clinton Dix. And I'm going to continue to go back to that example until HaHa Clinton Dix, you know, relapses to the play that we saw years ago that drew so many heads and, and that eventually led to one Pro Bowl appearance for whatever it's worth. Nick Perry's been bad. And the Patriots exploited that because that's what the Patriots do. Uh, Another thing I noticed was red zone struggles. And Packers fans, you don't have to watch games two or three times. You don't have to go back and watch tape to realize that they've struggled in the red zone. Now, one caveat I will put on the red zone struggles is, you know, years ago, the Packers had Edgar Bennett and they had Alex Van Pelt. And I think there was continuity for a long time of coaches who had been there before and knew Aaron Rodgers' tendencies and knew this and that. And we saw better red zone play. When Aaron Rodgers got into the red zone, you'd be hard-pressed to not get six points. And that has changed this year. Edgar Bennett's gone. Alex Van Pelt is gone. And now we have Joe Philbin, who came back from 2011. But Joe Philbin's not dealing with the same unit. They have Jimmy Graham, uh, kind of a la Jermichael Finley. But it's a different group of receivers. It's some younger receivers, which is probably harder to develop and scheme for. And they have some different players. It's a different team. And I think that lack of continuity, for better or for worse, in some areas of the game has really hurt them in the red zone. But I will say this. The way that the NFL is trending, red zone play has become so important because the game and and the rules have been designed and built for offensive success, especially in between the 20s when wide receivers have space to run free and try to draw contact, illegal contact or a hold from a defensive back, especially the way the quarterbacks are protected. All rules have been built to protect quarterbacks and to lead towards offensive success, especially in between the 20s. Now when the field shrinks... It becomes a little bit more difficult. If I was a defensive coordinator in today's NFL, I'd say, screw it. We're, we're going to spend 80% of our time focusing on red zone defense. Because no matter how much time we put into normal base defense, normal down and distance defense, the rules, it's still stacked against us. The deck is still stacked against us. Especially if you're a middle of the road defense like the Packers are. Now, if you're the Rams and you have personnel, or if you are, uh, let's think of great defense. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, then you you have a little bit more personnel to play with. Then you can focus on your defense in between the 20s a little bit more. But for a subpar defense, like, heck, the Patriots or the Packers, let's focus on the red zone 80% of the time. And I think teams have started to do that, and that's led to red zone struggles for a lot of teams, not just the Packers. But that's something they got to sure up, because going into Foxborough and kicking field goals, uh, especially when you're inside the 10 and then you're backing up because of penalties, you're shooting yourself in the foot, it's not going to make it any easier on you. You're not going to win very many games, especially against good competition in those benchmark games, like we were talking about, especially on the road. Red zone's got to improve. Uh, number three thing I took away was the guard play for the for this offensive line has been it's been bad. Byron Bell had a horrible week. Um, Lane Taylor has had a bad two weeks. Now part of that was Aaron Donald two weeks ago, but I think now you you really start to have some concerns about the interior of that line, especially after Lane Taylor had looked so good for the last two years, and heck, gave Ted Thompson the confidence to go ahead and cut Josh Sitton, one of the best offensive linemen in the league at the time, for nothing, because he liked Lane Taylor that much. That's been a weakness. We'll talk about that more coming up. We are we are late for a break, and I see we got some texts on the Five Star Telecom talking text line. We'll get back to that uh, right after the break, I promise. Don't go anywhere. A lot more really good Packers chatter yet to come here on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. Okay, we got to push more inside. We're running too flat. It's stretching and cutting back. You guys keep setting the edge. The edge is good. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Always streaming live at WKTYsports.com as well. That is the voice of one Bill Belichick who was mic'd up for the game on Sunday night in NFL Films. 
uh, put out a long compilation of some of his best moments. It was really cool. Uh, and I, sometimes I, I get, I get sick of people overplaying the fact that he's stoic and emotionless on the sideline. Uh, and that's kind of funny. But some of the quotes he had was really, really good. They're talking about how we need to get pressure inside. And, and you noticed if you, if you really pick apart that sound bite, you're used to your, your pressure and your rushers and most of your sacks coming from the outside, people getting around the outside. And Bill said, no, just set the edge. Just set the edge, keep Aaron Rodgers right in the middle, and we're going to generate our pressure against those tackles up the middle, right up the gut. And it worked great. You kept Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. Maybe it didn't lead to a whole lot of sacks, but you kept him in there, you kept him uncomfortable, and you pushed against those guards who have been such a weakness the last couple of weeks. There is a great example right there of Bill Belichick adjusting to the team he's playing and on the sideline saying, and, and, and talking about it, right? You guys are doing a good job setting the edge, keeping Aaron Rodgers right there. Even if you're not getting home, that's fine. Continue to set the edge. we got to get our pressure up the gut. Uh, and, and really cool to hear that uh, from a guy who may just be the best coach of all time, uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, let's get to the five-star telecom talking text line really quick before we move on. And I got this text before the break, and it actually worked out pretty well because I had a second to check it out. Uh, I, I don't have your name, so if you want to text back with your name too, I'd, I'd love to save it so we can uh, so we can call you by name on the program. Uh, this texter asks, when was the last time Perry sacked a quarterback? Watching him every week, he gets dominated by opposing tackles. He couldn't pressure a car tire. First of all, great quote, love it. Uh, he, he doesn't get a whole lot of pressure. Most of his big plays this year have come from just sticking his big hands up in the air when he can't get home, knocking, uh, knocking passes down. But I, I, I do have the stats up in front of me. So, Nick Perry, your number one paid guy, your big million-dollar man, your free agent, even though you're re-signing your own, still signed a, a unrestricted free agent to come back and be the guy who generates pressure. So far this year, one sack against Chicago and a half a sack against the Bills, against the lowly Buffalo Bills, where Kyler Fackrell, mind you, was pouring in the sacks. Nick Perry managed a measly half a sack. So, Nick Perry, your guy on the year, uh, one and a half sacks. None of them have came since long before the bye back in the Buffalo Bills game. So there you go. Andrew in lacrosse. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Good question. And yes, he could not press your car tire. I couldn't agree more. And it's frustrating because the Packers paid that man a lot of money to try to get after the quarterback. And he has been very ineffective. Mike McCarthy did say this week, by the way, uh, Nick, well, you know, Nick's still dealing with that ankle injury. Uh, yeah, the one from August. Yeah, he must still be dealing with that. Uh <laughs> Thank you, Mike, uh, for shows shows exactly how highly you think of us and the Packer reporters for sure. Yeah, I think he's still dealing with that injury. Yeah, me too, Mike. Good one. Uh, so we're talking about the noticeable weaknesses on this team and po- possibly the biggest one of all, which is why I saved it, uh, is it has been Aaron Rodgers. Now, face value, I still believe, and probably most Packers fans still believe, that Aaron Rodgers, even at Mediocre level, mediocre Aaron Rodgers level, which is kind of where he is right now, is still better than most quarterbacks in the league, and you'd still take him. Now, this year, Cam has been really good, Drew Brees has been tremendous, and Tom Brady has been Tom Brady. Even though Aaron Rodgers has not been tremendous, uh, I, I think most most football fans would still want Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking their team. Maybe you take Drew Brees, maybe you take Cam, maybe you take Brady, uh, but Aaron Rodgers has by no means dropped out of that category. He just hasn't been very good, and there's actually a lot of numbers to say exactly that, Um, and we'll dig into that as well. I was listening to the Bill Michaels show earlier today. I think it was in the the 11 o'clock hour, which, by the way, of course, you can hear Bill Michaels right here on WKTY each and every day from 11 to 2 p.m. right after Dan Patrick finishes up. And I know a lot of people are running around doing a lot of different things at work, or maybe you're going to class if you're a student at UWL that time of day. Make sure you download our mobile app. It's a really simple way 
to be able to listen to them wherever you go. I understand a lot of people aren't driving from 10 to 2, depending on the work you do. This time of night, it's easy. You're in your car. You can you can tune in. Uh, but if you're at work, you're at your desk, or you're, you're doing something else, uh, the mobile app is a great way to go. So make sure you download it, especially if you like to tune in to Bill Michaels in the afternoon. What they were talking about, and, and Radio Joe and, and Bill were going back and forth. This drives me nuts. This drives me nuts. I, I hate this take. Um, talking about chemistry and trust between Aaron Rodgers and his wide receivers. Uh, and we may have talked about this on the program. It would have been a while ago. I don't remember it in recent history about how Aaron Rodgers, because they don't play in the preseason, which, by the way, is months ago now. Months ago. The preseason is no longer relevant. But this was Bill's take. Because Aaron Rodgers doesn't play a whole lot in the preseason, and, and because of that, neither did Jimmy Graham, neither did Cobb, Adams. They, they all sat most of the preseason out. They're still building chemistry. They're still building connections. And that goes to say with Valdez Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown, they're still building chemistry. That's crap. I hate that. That is crap. They're not still building chemistry. They're professional athletes. Their job, the receiver's job is to run the routes. Aaron Rodgers' job is to get him the ball. I don't want to hear about trust. Well, I just I just don't trust him yet because I'm sick and tired of watching film breakdowns of these games where supposedly, and Aaron Rodgers said this at his presser either today or yesterday, I don't remember, you know, guys just aren't getting open. Well, then why am I watching film the day after the game? Why am I watching film breakdowns from Ben Fennel and seeing guys streaking right down the seam or right through the flat, wide open with nobody around him? And then hearing from Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, well, guys need to, you know, guys need to get open. They need to do their job. Guys are open. I don't care if it's number 19, Equinemius St. Brown, I don't know, 17, Devontae Adams. I don't care if it's Jeff Janis who just hopped off his couch. If he's open, throw him the damn ball. Throw him the ball. I don't care if you trust him. I don't care if you have chemistry. His job was to run a drag route. Your job as a quarterback is to throw the ball on him on the break of his route. I don't care who's running the route. I don't care if you played with him for 10 years or if this is the first night you played. Remember, I was watching the Vikings on Sunday. Chad Beebe, Don Beebe's son, was... Added to the roster, what, like hours before the game, it was announced that he was going to suit up and play, and Kirk Cousins was getting him the ball. We're getting Chad Beebe the ball. If that happened on the Packers, oh, it would take him three weeks. You know, we're, we're slowly going to work him in. You know, well, Aaron Rodgers, got to get to know him. You know, got to go out to eat. Got to have some conversations about family, about religion, politics. Got to build that, build that chemistry. Well, over in Minnesota, they're working in Chad Beebe off the practice squad, and Kirk's throwing him the ball on third down in meaningful situations. I don't want to hear about chemistry. I don't want to hear about trust. That's crap. If he's open, throw him the ball. And maybe you'd have better than a 60% completion rate. It's a joke. Especially, we're referencing the preseason still? Come on. That's months ago. Even if there was no chemistry at the beginning of the year, we're eight or nine games in. Get over it. Throw him the ball. If he's open, throw him the ball. Because you're never going to build trust if you don't try to connect with these guys in the game, in meaningful down and distance snaps. Just like we saw with the Vikes. I hate to give the Vikes credit, but the Lions defense with Darius Slay, who's a pretty good corner, one of the best in the league, doing a good job covering up Thielen, doing a good job of covering up Diggs. And Kirk says, all right, screw you guys. I'll throw Chad Beebe the ball. We'll get him open on third down. I don't care who I'm throwing to. Trust. Who cares about trust in chemistry? He's open. Here you go. (laughs) Let's continue this drive. Aaron Rodgers needs to have that approach. This offense needs to have that approach. Trust. In chemistry. Give me a break. And early, earlier on uh, this week, on Tuesday, I believe it was, Radio Joe was on this program. And one of the biggest quotes that I took away, I tweeted it out at WKTY. Joe said, sometimes Aaron Rodgers needs to stick to the script. And the script is, 
when you have multiple wide receivers running multiple routes, yeah, your first read might be Adams and your second read might be Cobb. But then here we have Valdez Scantling streaking down the sideline. Get him the ball. He's open. Equinemius St. Brown, he's open. Get him the ball. Aaron Jones in the flat, get him the ball. If he's open, get him the ball. That's that's the number one takeaway. Stick to the script. You don't need to be giving little googly eyes to Adams and, and pointing and playing backyard football. This offense is designed to get more than one wide receiver open. And the other defense is doing their best, especially the Patriots, to take away Adams, to take away Cobb, which is going to give more opportunities to those younger guys. Forget about trust. Screw trust. I don't want to hear about it. We're done. That's the last time we're going to talk about it on this program. Speaking of talk, let's go to uh, to the Five Star Telecom talk and text line. Uh, you can always chime in at 608-796-2558. We're talking about weaknesses on this team, specifically now Aaron Rodgers, but there are many to talk about. And speaking of weaknesses, caller, welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. What's on your mind? Hey, Grant. This is Todd. I uh, couldn't agree with you more about Perry and HaHa. You know, I talked to you last week about Dexie. And I think Goody is, you know, he's got that mentality. You know what? I'm not going to do it, Ted. Did just because you've been here, I'm not paying you just because you're hanging around. Amen. You know, and it's and it's unfortunate about Perry is he got paid and he went away. You know, and and Taylor's starting to look like the same thing. But I think the message has been sent that if that's how you're going to play, you know what? Got fifty million. We'll restock the cupboard and replace every one of them. Yeah, we'll replace people. I, I do want to ask you while I have you. So as we approach the end of the season, Clay Matthews' contract is up, and Nick Perry can be cut without huge salary cap ramifications. They can save some money by cutting Nick Perry. Is that something you'd be up for? Now, you'd save a lot of money, but at the oh, same time, you're losing your two biggest pass rushers. That's a lot to replace. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. is is What are you really losing? A guy who runs around with his hair on fire has got, what, three, four sacks? Yeah. And another guy who disappears completely. I mean, here's the thing, and I, I mentioned this last time when I talked to you. Yeah. It's like everybody's ranting and raving about haha. When's the last time the guy had a blow-up play? I can't remember the last time Perry's had an impactful play where he, where he stuffed a runner in the backfield, jarred the ball loose, and... And, you know, and all of a sudden turn the script of the game. I can't remember. Exactly. And and there might be a tackle, like a tackle for a loss or heck, maybe even a coverage sack. Uh, But in terms of, yeah, getting in the backfield, blowing up a play, turning the tide of a game, creating a turning point like we saw Clay Matthews do in the 2010 Super Bowl where he jarred the ball loose. I don't remember if it was Mendenhall or Redmond or whoever it was he knocked the ball out from. That's the kind of plays we're talking about. That's the kind of play that Nick Perry isn't making. And well, nobody's making on that defense, to be honest. And I do like what you said about Clinton Dix. He's a good safety. You know, he plays a lot of snaps. He's very talented, very big, very strong. You know, he has those those tangibles. There's one play this year, and I don't even remember what game it was in, where he he popped a guy, beat him to the ball, popped a guy to get an interception. That was a one play that, that made me go, wow. There's a good safety. There's, there's the first-round safety that we've been waiting to come back ever since 2014 and 2015. I couldn't agree more. And thanks for the call. Good stuff on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Uh, and it's good to, good to hear you calling back as well. I appreciate that. Trying to build a routine here. A lot of weaknesses on this Packers team. They have Aaron Rodgers. They have a seasoned coaching staff. That'll get you wins. That's going to get you wins. And they're not bereft of talent 100%. They have some good players up and down the roster. But, you know, specifically today to recap, you know, we're talking about the tackles. Or not the tackles, the guards. The guards have been very poor. Now, if Brian Bulaga can be healthy, I think the Packers have a good a set of tackles as anyone. I think David Bakhtiar, you could argue he's the second best player on this team. And I mean that. 
Um, their tackles are, are very, very good, especially when Brian Bulaga is healthy, which has been iffy. Uh, but, you know, he, he'll give you 12 to 14 games a year. You're going to take that. Uh, and you'll fill in where where he's not available. The the guards have been another story now. Lane Taylor, I don't know if he's just having a down stretch here, uh, but I think he is a good guard. And Ted Thompson saw something in that when he felt comfortable, like I said, cutting Josh Sitton a couple of years ago. He's much better in the run than he is in, in pass protection, but you like to think that the, the line around him and Corey Lindsley uh, to his right side having a really, really good year um, and just being a solid player, they should have the ability to overcome that. But the guards have been have been poor. Uh, red zone play has been really, really poor. Nick Perry, as we have lamented now on this program and callers have said as well, uh, he's been poor and he's been paid a lot of money to be poor. And that's going to be a tough decision for general manager uh, Brian Gutekunst as he goes into his sophomore season next year, uh, approaching how he wants to try to construct a pass rush. There's a big question. There's a lot of names who could come off the books, including Clay Matthews, who I think is is probably on his way out of Green Bay, and Nick Perry, who cost him a lot of money, and the Packers got to be saying, look, Nick, uh, yeah, we're going to have to have a talk. If not, if they haven't already, who knows? And then finally, look, I, I Aaron Rodgers has been poor, and I expect that to get better. Check this out. Before before we throw it to a break, and, and before we come back and wrap the show up, 39 throwaways this year so far for Aaron Rodgers. 39. 39 throwaways. Now, you might think, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he hates throwing interceptions, hates turning the ball over, which is a good quality, obviously. I'd rather have a throw over than an interception. So that that statistic isn't telling in and of itself. But his previous career high was 37, and that was for an entire year. He's eclipsed that, and we're barely past the halfway mark of this year. Now, part of me thinks that that's going to you know, get better as that uh, <laughs> that chemistry and that trust gets better. There'll probably be fewer throwaways. But there's something at the core of this offense clunky and laborious and wrong, and that's leading to a lot of throwaways just because there's nothing there. 39 throwaways so far. Man, oh man, oh man. Got to be better than that. Got to find guys downfield. Uh, and it, I, don't, I don't know how they do that. We'll continue to watch as the season goes on, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see if Mike McCarthy changes anything. How many times have I said that on this program this year? Said, oh yeah, I can't wait to see uh, what McCarthy brings this week. You got to think, you know, he sees this out of the opponent, and, and he's going to change this, and wow, we're going to be blown away. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, don't hold your breath. I promise we'll be right back here on the Wisco Sports Show. I want to wrap up uh, the Packers talk and, and just throw a little teaser. I'm excited about the Bucks game tonight. I'll tell you why. And hopefully I can get you excited along with me to stay up and enjoy your Thursday night taking some Bucks basketball. Because there's excitement to be had right now. Just give me a chance. I promise, uh, I promise I'll make it worth your while. Coming up next, final segment of the Wisco Sports Show on the way with me, your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Thanks for listening today. Hope you're having a good uh, Thursday. I noticed right before the show, uh, because because it is a radio station, we're big on news, we're big on weather, you know, stuff like that. We're going to get snow tonight, apparently. I had to, I had to check. Uh, I'm doing a couple other things here at the building as well, and and we're getting snow tonight. All right. So so bear with me here. Uh, the Bucks and the Warriors play tonight. Uh, two teams that obviously, well, obviously the Warriors are the Warriors. Uh, but the Bucks off to a killer start. I believe they're eight and two. They have two losses. Their other loss um, after that big six to zero or seven to zero start coming in Portland the other night, at starting off this West Coast road trip. Both teams and like I said, the Warriors are the Warriors. Off to good starts. Hopefully for Bucks fans, two of the better teams in the league uh, in the association up until this point. Now that game gets underway. It's a late game. It's a West Coast game, obviously at nine thirty tonight, nine o'clock, and I'll get that. I'll check that for sure right now because you can always hear that game 
uh, right here on WKTY. Ted Davis on the call, you know, Justin Garcia, the Bucks Radio Network, always bring terrific coverage and a little bit more of a local perspective. Not that uh, Fox Sports Wisconsin doesn't, but the game's on TNT tonight. So there you go. Stay local. Listen to it right here on WKTY. Tip off at 930 from Oracle Arena. So there you go. I, I That's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch the Bucks. Maybe watch it snow outside a little bit. Grab a beer. Eat some Taco Bell. As Bill Michaels would say, hey. How are we looking? I mean, that's a perfect Thursday night in my eyes. Uh, a lot of meaning, like I said earlier in the show, probably for Bucks fans and maybe some Bucks players for this game. These two teams got a little bit of a history. Remember a couple years ago when the Warriors started, what was it, 23-0 and or 24-0? The Bucks were finally the team, you know, to kind of come, well, to beat them and to bring them back down to earth and to end that streak. And then, of course, you had Bucks players go to the strip club and party so hard that they actually injured themselves. Uh, that's kind of a Milwaukee Bucks move right there for sure. And, and we were thinking earlier on in the season, we saw where the you know the Warriors were about ten or eleven games into the season. We said, "Wow, if the Bucks go undefeated, you know, are the Warriors going to take that person?" Say, "Hey, yeah, we're going to end your streak now." Uh, but I, I do think the meaning for that little moment a couple of years ago holds a lot stronger now for Bucks fans than Warriors fans. Obviously, Warriors are a couple titles in now at this point, and I think they are on to bigger and better things than the Milwaukee Bucks. And tonight, it's up to the Milwaukee Bucks to go ahead and show why the Warriors should take this game seriously and, and maybe should take this matchup personally, even though they are split between conferences and they only play each other twice a year, assuming no uh, NBA Finals meeting. Now, there is another interesting stat, and if you're new to the Bucks or you haven't really tuned in and haven't really locked in yet this year, and I understand, right? There's a lot of stuff going on between Packers football and, heck, the Brewers ran up to just a couple of weeks ago. We had them. Uh, Badger basketball got underway the under uh, the other night and, and Badger football. So the Bucks, I mean, if you have to prioritize as a sports fan, the Bucks are maybe on the bottom of that totem pole. Well, if you haven't been paying attention yet, or maybe you're new to the Bucks, and, and I'm trying to convince you to, to really become a fan, right now, first place uh, in the NBA in terms of three-point shots made is, is your Milwaukee Bucks. 156 three-pointers made up until this point. Golden State right behind in second with 146. So both of these teams like to shoot the three ball, and I think Coach Budenholzer, the first-year coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, taking over for Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty last year, has made that an emphasis. If you haven't watched Bucks games yet, he's saying, hey, guys, get out there, shoot the three ball. You know, it's, it's it might not be the highest percentage shot, you know, but it's a, it's a better percentage shot than a long two or a mid-range jumper. And, and if you miss, get back on defense and we'll try it again the next possession. And that's been an interesting brand of basketball to watch so far this year. One that's been adopted by multiple teams, including Houston and, and Golden State. Maybe pioneered it, maybe started, and now other teams have grabbed on and kind of made it their own, including the Milwaukee Bucks. So that game underway at 9.30 tonight. Like I said, sit back, stay inside, enjoy the snow, and either tune in here on WKTY. That game's on TNT as well. Good show today. You guys brought it as well on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Andrew and Lacrosse, thanks for giving me your name. I can call you by name on air because with that take, uh, you, I want to give you some recognition. Uh, Nick Perry can't pressure a car tire. I love that and uh, hope to hear from you more throughout the uh, the course of the program as well. No program tomorrow as we will be uh, hosting. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling it Zach Heilprin and the boys on the on the Badger Roundtable Show. Our, our sister station, the Zone in Madison, produces that and puts it out every Friday. So we will have you uh, with that tomorrow as the Badgers' big game on Saturday. They're taking on Penn State. So we'll have to break that down next week. The Packers uh, hosting Miami. That'll be a 3 o'clock game or a 3.30 game, whatever it is. I suppose that'll be on CBS on Sunday. But of course, you can hear it uh, here on WKTY. Two hours of pregame, two hours of postgame. You can get your Green Bay Packer fix on Sunday. And I promise I will be back uh, to break that down next week as well. As will Dave and Scrady. 
and your normal cast of characters here on WKTY. We're also right around the corner. We've been, you know, going head over heels for UWL football. We're also right around the corner from UWL basketball and what should be poised to be a very exciting week, or not week, but a very exciting season uh, for Coach Dernbach and the UW Lacrosse Eagles in a very competitive conference. I had a chance actually this week to sit down with Coach Dernbach a little bit and talk about uh, the upcoming season in some podcast work that I was doing. So maybe we'll have some of that chatter coming up next week uh, as we kind of get excited because we do carry UWL basketball and it's going to be an exciting season. I promise. Uh, So we'll get into all that next week. I can't wait. Christian Yelich, by the way, won the Silver Slugger. Hope to see an MVP award coming in the next uh, in the next couple hours. So I, I can't wait for that. We'll talk about it all next week. I will be back on Monday, everybody. Enjoy a fantastic, relaxing, enjoyable weekend. I'll be back on Monday. Can't wait to talk to you then.